chapter fifty one of just as i am this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c just as i am by mary elizabeth braden chapter fifty one lizzie's failure lizzie hardman found that the entrance to her new career as a nursing sister was not free from difficulty she had first and foremost to produce testimonials to character and capacity and the obtaining of these from miss blake and mr jebb occupied time then when she had proved her respectability to the satisfaction of the lady superintendent of the home which she wished to enter she had to go through a preliminary course of hospital nursing her duties being of the humblest hardest kind in order to prepare her for the higher grade to which she aspired this hospital work was to last a month during which time miss hartman as a day nurse would be allowed to sleep at the house in milton street she began her work bravely but despite her enthusiasm the work proved much more arduous much more painful than she had anticipated hitherto her life had been spent among familiar faces she had enjoyed the consideration and respect of her little world there had been thorns in her cushion at the manor house but all the cottages whose wants she had ministered to round and about tangley had honoured her as miss blake's adopted daughter and as the medium through which they received miss blake's bounty she had never gone anywhere empty-handed and she had always been sure of her welcome but in this big city hospital where nobody knew her or cared for her how different life seemed the doctors were always in a hurry when they came in contact with her they spoke curtly they took no interest in her work they treated her as a machine then the cases were so various and so complicated the suffering around her was so terrible that soul and sense sickened as she felt how little she could do to help or to comfort it had been one thing to sit beside a dying peasant's bed in some quiet cottage chamber listening to his hopeful talk about the better land to which he was journeying but it was another thing to look along the dreary ward where pain-tortured creatures were ready to curse god in their agony while disease in its most hideous form disgusted the eye that would fain have expressed only sympathy lizzie had put her hand to the plough and she meant to persevere but there were times when her courage failed utterly when she walked wearily home to milton street with a heart heavy as lead and shut herself in her little room 
the room which she shared with jessie to shed bitter tears over her weakness and incapacity i am afraid it is not in me she said to herself sometimes in these moments of despondency but i must go on to fail now would be too contemptible i should despise myself for my cowardly weakness she could have borne the trials of her daily life better perhaps if she could have shut out of her mind all memory of the past but unhappily that past was perpetually in her mind her soul yearned for her lost home as eve may have yearned for the eden she had forfeited in the sultry sickly august days amid the crime and foulness of the great overgrown manufacturing town lizzie's fancy returned to the cool shrubberies the velvet lawns at tangley to the sweet companionship the sympathy and guidance of her one devoted friend yet she had no right to complain of being shut out of that paradise she had left it of her own free will she had refused to go back or even to make any compromise with the situation when aunt dora came to fetch her what could i do she asked herself sometimes to have gone back would have been to lay myself open to the imputation of having only acted a part i must justify the step i took in my anger that day i must show those cruel girls that i can live my own life i could not go back without forfeiting my self-respect self-respect that was the idol she had set up for herself a stern exacting deity which had to be propitiated by the sacrifice of her heart's tenderest feelings and which gave her very little in return when the harvest moon glorified the dinginess of milton street when the breath of harvest was in the very air of tangley poor lizzie sat at her bedroom window late into the night watching the light clouds drifting across the round gold moon and thinking how the same soft light was shining on tangley common with its far-away glimpses of glittering water and the calm expanse of stubble and meadow rising and falling in gentle undulations to the base of distant hills i'm afraid i shall have to run away from my work she thought in her despondency feeling health and energy ebbing day by day till each day the allotted task became more difficult the viated atmosphere more stifling i shall die if i stay in this horrid town and then she thought that if she found herself actually incapable of the career she had planned she would advertise in the local paper for the situation of national school mistress in some quiet village where she might nurse the sick in her own way and where health and strength and the power to work would come back to her in the pure air and quiet rustic life 
but she had not broken down yet and she meant to struggle on so long as success seemed possible only when my strength completely fails will i give up she said to herself her relations saw the gradual change in her and saw that the hospital work was doing her harm mrs hardman remonstrated vehemently i never did see such nonsense as a young woman turning her back on a comfortable home where she was quite the lady to moil and toil in a hospital bringing home smallpoxes and typhoid fevers to her family if you are afraid of that aunt i can get a lodging answered lizzie meekly who said i was afraid exclaimed her aunt somewhat inconsistently i ain't one of that sort child i ain't a soft road one but for all that you might find something better to do with your life than mixing poultices and rubbing in linings if you must do something for your living why not join jess in the dressmaking business you ought to be tasty after having lived all your life with gentle folks and with her machine you might both do splendid lizzie did not attempt to explain to her aunt that it was a philanthropic career and not mere money-making upon which she had set her heart lest that severely practical matron should ridicule the idea i think i have a knack for sick nursing aunt she said and i'm sure i have no taste for dressmaking why didn't you make the gown you got on yes but i couldn't sit at work all day as jessie does it would drive me mad i think that's because you ain't used to it lizzie went on till nearly the end of her probation she had worked so well and had shown herself so skillful and intelligent that lady superior of the home to which she wished to be admitted had gladly accepted her services she was to finish her work in the hospital in a few days and was to take up her abode in the home which was a fine old-fashioned house in a dull old-fashioned street in that deserted quarter of blackford where a hundred years ago members of parliament wealthy bankers and justices of the peace had made their abode the change from the close quarters of milton street to the spacious airy rooms at the home would be a welcome one and lizzie was looking forward to it with pleasure though she had grown honestly attached to her family whose good-heartiness went as far as virtue can go to atone for extreme vulgarity she was as it were on the very threshold of her new life and she felt proud of having held on through all difficulties and of having conquered at last when she went home from the hospital one evening with a raking headache 
she had suffered a good deal from headache lately but this pain in her head was unusually severe she was half blind with the agony of her throbbing temples and groped her way along the familiar streets and lanes as if she had been walking in a november fog her limbs were so heavy that she could scarcely move them and it was with the utmost difficulty that she dragged herself to milton street hoping all the time that some stray cab would pass her way so she could get herself driven home but no cab appeared milton street was out of the beat of such vehicles and she was obliged to get home without help why lizzie child you look that bad cried mrs hartman who was sitting on her favorite stool reading one of those thrilling serials which beguiled her leisure with lofty fancies you've been looking like a ghost more or less for the last fortnight but you look ever so much worse to-night i have rather a bad headache lizzie admitted feebly as she sank upon the ancient horsehair couch which gave to the kitchen something of the luxury of a drawing-room bilious i dare say said mrs hartman have a cockle no thank you aunt have a cup of tea then i stood the pot on the oven top a purpose for you and there's a nice bit of cake in the oven i couldn't take anything aunt not even tea i think i'll go to bed she rose to leave the room but staggered and would have fallen but for her aunt's aid mrs hardman assisted her upstairs and put her to bed as if she had been a little child and when polly's young man came in presently he was sent straight off for the hospital doctor who had been most concerned in lizzie's work he came that evening and the next day and on many days and evenings during which lizzie lay helpless and prostrate in the stuffy little bedroom where the sewing machine pursued its noisy career and where jessie divided herself between her duties as nurse and dressmaker happily for the family in milton street it was neither smallpox nor typhoid which had stricken poor lizzie it was none of those fatal scourges at whose name poor humanity trembles the girl had only broken down under a strain which she was unable to bear with depressed spirits and desponding soul she had tried to do work which required all the vigor and vivacity of a happy nature and a hopeful mind and she had fallen under a burden too heavy for her weakness those distracting thoughts about tangley that unconquerable longing for the home she had left had affected her as the love of country affects a swift's peasant she had sickened for the lost home and was nigh to death she had been feverish in the early part of her illness but never out of her senses and when mrs hardman suggested that jessie should write 
and tell miss blake of her sister's illness lizzie entreated that no such letter might be written the doctor does not say that i am in any danger does he she asked lord no my dear answered her aunt energetically no fear of that you're very low and he says it'll take you a long time to get around and that you'll never be strong enough for this sick nursing fad of yours it is not within the compass of your constitution he says so you'd better give that up at once yes i fear i must give it up just as i had learned the work and was going to begin my career it is very hard i shall try and get a situation in a village school i have done a good deal of teaching at tangley and i know what the work is don't you bother about schools nor nothing till you're strong here our poll wants to be married early next month and for you to go with her and jim to the seaside for their honeymoon he'll only be able to get a week's holiday but you can get a good mouthful of sea air in a week and it will do you a world of good it is very kind of polly but she ought not to be burdened with an invalid sister during her honeymoon she won't think you no burden ain't she your own sister blood's thicker than water you know i think i'd better go somewhere with jessie if i am obliged to have change of air said lizzie with a faint sigh she was wondering how long her little stock of money would hold out and whether she could afford the luxury of a seaside trip with jessie she had insisted upon paying mrs hartman a pound a week for her maintenance although that hospitable matron would willingly have fed and lodged her gratis she had spent a little money in fees at the hospital and the five-and-twenty pounds with which she had left tangley were reduced by about half and now she was having strong beef tea and other things which must cost money and it would be her duty to pay mrs hartman more than a pound a week for this period of illness i'm afraid you are spending a great deal of money for me she said one day when her aunt brought her a glass of public-house port which was both sweet and fiery and tasted like elderberry wine enriched with the juice of a damson tart you've no call to worry about that child your uncle ain't so poor that he can't afford a bottle of good old port for his niece i dare say if you'd let me write to miss blake she'd send you an amper of choice wine but you must have your own way thank you dear aunt i'd rather be under an obligation to you than to miss blake dearly as i love her when i left tangley i made up my mind to fight the battle of life without any help from rich friends lizzie was nearly three weeks confined to her bed and when she was strong enough to get up again 
and lie on the sofa in the parlor she looked like the shadow of her former self it was useless to think of taking a situation yet a while it would be a week or two before she could be strong enough for the change of air which the doctor declared indispensable to her recovery she could only lie on her sofa and read a little and think a great deal and look forward wonderingly to a future that was wrapped in shadow and now august was nearly ended and the blackford election was in full progress the great busy overgrown town was in a state of profound excitement a fever which penetrated even as far as quiet milton street party feeling ran high and there was a kind of infection of opinion in the air which people caught unawares men and women who had no political opinions at any other time became suddenly vehement and even angry partisans costermongers who herded in the vilest slums of the town declared themselves good old tories and proclaimed their intention of shedding their blood if needed for church and state and a hereditary peerage the virulent radical and the hardened conservative met on the common ground of the public house and the chandler's shop women paused at their wash-tubs with arms akimbo to give utterance to their views as how the country should be governed men who had never invested a five-pound note aired their theories about national defiance everybody concurred in the one leading idea that the country was going to ruin and that a total change was required in all existing institutions lizzie sitting in an armchair by the open window of the milton street parlor too weak to venture out of doors was dependent upon her kindred and the newspapers for all information about the election but her interest in its progress was intense she had read every line of the reports of meetings held here and there by this party or that she read all morton's speeches twice over weighing their effect upon his hearers she read all that had been said by rival candidate in order that she might be able to estimate the strength of morton's opponent her brother william brought her tidings of how things were going he was able to tell her how the current of popular opinion was setting and what chance morton had i think he'll get in said william who was an advanced liberal but polly's young man was a staunch conservative attached to the old established tory paper who had begun its career fifty years ago as a sixpenny weekly and had reluctantly transformed itself into a penny daily when mr gladstone abolished the paper duty 
polly's young man opined that morton had a very poor chance he would not give a twenty-pound note for his chance and though there's no such thing as bribery nowadays his election will cost him a pot of money said the printer's reader i don't think he'll care about the money answered lizzie with a sigh is he so monstrously rich i believe he has three or four thousand a year and he is not particularly fond of money egad i shouldn't mind spending a thousand or two if i had such an income as that to fall back upon but i believe his election will cost him three or four thousand i heard that his agent said he would have his own way and do things as he likes this time that it was mr blake's folly in setting his face against treating and such like that lost his election at highclere last winter do you know where mr blake is staying asked lizzie oh at the royal of course these men of the people always put up at the best hotel and live on the fat of the land if you knew mr blake as well as i do you would know how little he cares about the fat of the land said lizzie with a faint smile she wondered a little that morton had not come to see her he must know from miss blake where she was living and it would have cost him very little trouble to put himself into a cab and be driven to milton street to see him only for a few minutes to hear how his work was prospering and to hear from his own lips that he was interested in her new life would have been very sweet to her was it not rather unkind of him who had called himself her adopted brother to be so near and yet not come to see her more especially when she was so interested in his political career and when it had been in some measure through her persuasion that he had allowed himself to be nominated for blackford perhaps he is offended with me for leaving tangley just when i was beginning to be useful to him she thought or perhaps those cruel girls have said something that has set him against me altogether oh if they were to make him believe that when i was his nurse and amuensis i was trying to catch him for a husband how he would despise me how i should loathe my life if i knew there was such an idea in his mind the fancy that this was possible tormented her cruelly during those eventful days of the election it was better perhaps she argued with herself that she should not see morton better for her own peace since it must be the chief effort of her mind to forget how dear he had been to her yet it was unkind of him not to come 
and it was unlike morton to be unkind and now came the decisive day on which the result of the balloting was to be made known every vehicle in blackford had been brought into use for the occasion and the tag rag and bobtail of the place were disporting themselves in coaches flags were flying drums beating the joy bells of half a dozen churches pealing with distracting vivacity to lizzie sitting by the window with her weary head supported by pillows and an unread novel lying in her lap this day seemed the longest in her life mrs hartman was the only member of the family who made any pretence of staying at home and even she spent half the day gossiping at the little general shop over the way or at the milkman's round the corner the clamour of the bells was almost maddening were they ringing in morton or his opponent would they peal just as joyously for one as for the other i hope he will not be disappointed a second time thought lizzie he has had so much sorrow within the last year the polling place was long way from milton street mrs hardman brought in stray scraps of intelligence but they were of a totally irrelevant character and were of no use to lizzie how much morton's opponent was supposed to have spent upon bribing one particular foundry how he had given his bespeak to the theatre and mr montmorency was to act claude melnock with a new pauline brought expressly from the surrey theatre london for the occasion lizzie longed for her brother's return from work he would know the result of the election she languished for a visit from polly's young man even though he was politically unfriendly to morton but there was no hope of either of them appearing before seven o'clock and the long blank day with its clamour of church bells hung heavily on lizzie's dejected soul at five mrs hardman brought some tea and thin bread and butter with a small plate of watercresses all neatly and daintily arranged to tempt an invalid how good you are to me aunt said lizzie looking up at her gratefully my dear i do my best but this must seem a poor place to you after that there manor house you didn't ought to have come away and to see the wreck you are it's enough to make anybody cry to look at you you look ten years older than you did the night you came from the country and that pinched and aggard i can't think what you've done with your good looks this was meant kindly but it was not comforting vanity had never been lizzie's vice and she was able to smile at her aunt's speech my looks won't matter when i am a national school teacher aunt 
and perhaps i may get on all the better if people think me older than i am perhaps you will my dear you've set your heart on a queer kind of life and it's no use trying to argue you out of your fancy all i can say is that if providence had given me good friends and a good ome i shouldn't have took and run away from them i should have put my pride in my pocket you know the old proverb and no one but the person who has to wear it can tell you where the shoe pinches that's true child i suppose your shoe pinches somewheres but never mind now take your tea like a dear refreshed by her first cup of tea lizzie rose from her chair and went over to the chimney-piece to look at her reflection in the cheap glass above it she wanted to see if she were indeed as much changed as her aunt said she was if she had lost all pretension to good looks yes mrs hartman was quite right all the brightness and freshness was gone from her face pinched cheeks hollow eyes a pallid complexion were reflected in the looking-glass no flatter at the best of times perhaps i ought to be glad that morton did not come to see me she said to herself he would have been disgusted at my altered looks and what would he have thought of this poor little room with its cheap vulgar furniture and the afternoon sun glaring in upon it after the shady drawing-room at tangley yes it is better for me that he has kept aloof i have gone out of his life for ever anything that took my mind back to the past would make me more miserable than i am she closed her eyes exhausted by the long anxious day her brain addled by the continued ringing of the bells she let her head fall back upon the pillow and sank into a gentle doze soothed by the warmth of the western sun it was the most refreshing sleep she had enjoyed for a long time and a slumber in which her fancies wandered away from blackford into the rural scenery of her past life she seemed to have been sleeping for a long while to have lived a lifetime in dreamland when the sudden opening of the door awoke her and she started up flushed with sleep exclaiming is he elected william is mr blake elected her back was turned to the door but it was near the usual hour of her brother's coming home and she had no doubt that it was he yes answered a voice just behind her chair morton blake is member for blackford and he has come to tell you of a success which he owes to a great measure to you it was morton's voice morton not ungrateful or forgetful was standing beside her 
she rose to her feet but in her surprise and agitation was too weak to stand and fell back in her chair half fainting good heavens how changed you are cried morton leaning over her and supporting her head with his arm the person who opened the door to me just now told me you had been ill but i had no idea it was so serious you must have been very ill lizzie yes i have been very ill dangerously ill and you never let me know there was no danger i was only weak and worn out i have been working too hard i suppose i had my idea of a useful career just as you have you see morton only i broke down at the very beginning the spirit was willing but the flesh was weak and now i have chalked out a humbler path for myself oh you still hold to your idea of a useful career don't you he asked smiling at her with unspeakable tenderness my poor lizzie so weak and wan and pale never mind dear tangley and aunt dora will soon bring the roses back to your cheeks the happy light to your eyes you are very good but i am not going to tangley i shall go into the country with my sister and get strong and well and then i shall begin my new life far away from tangley you will you have a finely developed organ of firmness lizzie take care that that unfeminine virtue does not degenerate into the vice of obstinacy i would rather be obstinate than weak and wavering yes and you are seriously ill you have had a long illness in this small home where so little can be done for you and you keep your old friends in ignorance of your state that was very cruel lizzie all was done for me that affection could do when i left tangley i made up my mind to break altogether with the old life in which i had been so happy half measures would not do i must make a new beginning and accept life as matthew hartman's granddaughter why this sudden resolution why did you leave tangley i can never tell you that suppose i found it all out for myself i think i have lizzie you say you would rather be obstinate than weak yet you were weak enough to abandon your natural and proper home because two foolish underbred girls took it into their heads to be jealous of you i only did what self-respect obliged me to do very well we will say no more about that you are coming back to tangley to-morrow aunt dora is coming to fetch you i have refused to go back even for her sake simply because you have been insulted by my sisters 
you need fear no further annoyance from them they are now at the seaside and they are never coming back to the manor house except as visitors they have taken a pretty little villa on the outskirts of highclere the laurels perhaps you remember it and they have engaged a duema i believe i am to give them a new pony carriage and to furnish their house i think i committed myself so far so you see lizzie there is no impediment to your return you are very very kind answered lizzie full of thought but i have set my heart upon a useful career where could you be more useful than at tangley i am so surprised at your sisters leaving you did they go of their own accord not quite it was i who proposed the laurels as a suitable home for them closest to high clare so much more lively than tangley common i told them that as i was going to be married they might find their position at the manor house rather less independent than it had been lizzie looked a little startled by this announcement her pallid cheeks had flushed as she talked to morton but the feverish tinge faded out now and left her deadly white you will come home lizzie said morton affectionately you will not consider my wife an impediment i hope for the moment she was unable to answer him her lips trembled but gave no sound is it dulcie she asked faintly after a pause no dulcie has found happiness elsewhere she is going to marry mr hallamond i am glad of that for i believe mr hallamond is a good man but who is it that you are going to marry yes i know it is lady frances what a brilliant idea do you think she would have me if i asked her i don't know i can't venture to say faltered lizzie don't you think our tastes are out of harmony she is so fond of field sports and i don't care a straw for them then her penmanship is horrible the veriest flies legs and if i wanted to dictate a pamphlet she would never have patience to write for me no lizzie i don't think fanny grange would be a happy woman as my wife or that i should be altogether blessed as her husband a man's wife should be really and truly a helpmeet to him able to sympathize with him in all that is best and holiest in his life to lead him upward and not downward but we'll talk more of this by and by i want you to promise to come back to tangley to-morrow if you can bear the journey i shall never go to tangley again i thank you with all my heart for your goodness in asking me to return but i know that i shall be happier in the active life that i have planned for myself my mind is quite made up 
then you are a cruel girl and you will make to-day's triumph gall and wormwood to me do you know why i have kept aloof from you so long lizzie i waited till i had won my election i thought you would be proud of my success the success in which you have had so great a part for without your sympathy i should have given up all idea of getting into parliament for the next ten years after my defeat at highclere and i wanted to come to you directly after my election here i am and you are going to spoil everything by being disagreeable i am not disagreeable morton i am only reasonable your wife will not want me at tangley to you i may be like a sister but i should be a stranger to her and before long she would begin to think of me as an intruder it would be hard for me to find myself humiliated by her as i have been humiliated by your sisters and to have to turn my back upon that dear place a second time very well lizzie if you refuse to make tangley your future home you will place me in a very awkward dilemma with my sisters how so because i have told them that i am going to marry and you are the only wife i will ever take home to tangley morton you left my house because you were insulted in it you must come back as its mistress morton you are laughing at me i was never so much in earnest in my life i have lived for nearly two months without you and the time has been long enough to teach me that you are necessary to my happiness your friendship first cured me of the old love your many virtues and sweet unconscious charms taught me a new love it is for you to make it a happy one i shall never regret anything i have lost in life if i can but win you morton i am so unworthy of you a penniless dependent owing everything to your aunt's charity just look round this room and remember that the only relations i have in this world live in it or rather do not live in it for they think it too good for daily use remember that they are ignorant people good and kind and true-hearted but vulgar in all their habits and ideas i am not ashamed of them because i belong to them but what would you feel if my uncle and aunt were to come to tangley manor to see their niece or if my brother and sisters expected to be received by me and once having come back to them and being cared for by them i can't go away and turn my back upon them forever don't you see morton i do see i do understand dearest and your brother and sisters and uncle and aunt shall be welcome at tangley manor whenever they may please to come 
do you think i am so base a hound that i can profess a regard for the working classes and their interests and yet blush to own that my grandfather and my wife's grandfather were working men fortune favored my grandfather and he climbed to the top of the ladder while your grandfather who must have been an honest man or mine would not have loved him so well stayed at the bottom the only difference between your pedigree and mine is success and you shall share the fortune that success brought darling if you will if you only will oh morton i have loved you ever since i was a child i wish you were a pauper that you might know how true my love is but i don't lizzie i take your love upon trust and now may i call your aunt in and tell her she looked very suspicious just now when i asked to see you i shouldn't wonder if she were listening at the door oh morton don't be shocked dear a duchess might do as much on such an occasion morton i'm afraid you will be disgusted with them they talk in a dreadfully vulgar style but they are very good never mind their talk dear your brother and sisters are not too old to learn a better style we'll get them polished a little just to make you happy he opened the door in a leisurely way and found mrs hardman in the kitchen looking out of the window with an abstracted air her arms folded on the window-sill her voice uplifted in a popular melody by all which signs and tokens he concluded that she had been listening william and his sister jessie were both at home mary was out with her young man and it is to be observed that a young woman engaged to a young man is rarely to be found in the domestic circle it was very cruel of you not to let me know that lizzie was so ill said morton when he had been introduced to the family it was all her fault answered mrs hardman she was so set against my writing that i didn't dare to do it for fear she should fret and make herself worse but it laid heavy on my conscience i can tell you ain't she a wreck she is looking very ill but my aunt will be here to-morrow and i shall send them both off to scarborough for a month and then there will be a wedding and you must be bridesmaid miss hardman jessie clasped her hands and gave a hoydish jump in the exuberance of her delight didn't i say there was a lover at the bottom of it all exclaimed mrs hardman well mr blake i wish you joy and i think though lizzie's a lucky girl in getting such a husband you're a lucky man in getting such a wife for though i says it that shouldn't there never was a sweeter young woman than my niece sir and now i suppose we shall see no more of her 
she'll never come to milton street no more after she's married indeed she will mrs hardman answered morton heartily she shall come to see you wherever you are and you must come to see her no thank you sir said the matron bridling it's very kind of you to mention it but i know when i'm in my element i'm very fond of liz but i shouldn't feel easy in a fine home and i'll never go where i ain't in my own element that's the only kind of pride i've got left in me i know my element and i'd like to keep it i think we could make you comfortable at tangley said morton smiling yes if i could come and help to cook a great dinner or give a hand in your spring cleaning and sit down to my meals free and easy with your servants but you and lizzie wouldn't like that and as to sitting on satin-covered chair and twiddling my thumbs i couldn't do it for no one well i hope you'll change your mind when you come to know us better lizzie's brother and sisters must come and see what kind of place tangley is and then they may be able to tempt you i'll come and glad said jessie for i think liz is too good a sort to be ashamed of me morton winced a little at hearing his betrothed described as a good sort but he came through the whole ordeal nobly and he sat down by and by to a scrumptious spread of tea hot cakes watercresses and shrimps in the bosom of his new family End of chapter fifty one recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c